to the Lost Kings podcast with Brother Dave. Thank you so much for stopping in and checking us out. This is a special episode for Black History Month. It's not going to be too long, so hopefully you listen to the whole thing. Um, I will be talking pretty much basically from the African Americans' Many Rivers to Cross with Henry Louis Gates. And if you've heard this program of uh, from from Henry Louis Gates, it's a very long program, but I will not be trying to cover the whole thing. What I will be covering basically is, is from the history point of where black history started from in the United States. And, and once I go a little bit into that, then we'll take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to speak about something that has become more near and dear to my heart, uh, which is the massacre in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, if you've listened to all of the podcasts, you might have heard me speak about Tulsa, Oklahoma several times because that's where I ended up after I had uh, did a short stint in in with my jail time. I never actually covered why I ended up in jail and what exactly happened for me to get there, but I will be uh, going into that in details in the very near future. But I do want to speak about the 1921 massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because when I was there, a friend of mine had told me that that Tulsa was the only place in the United States that was bombed by the United States. Didn't know this, but uh, I found that intriguing at the time, but again, didn't look into the history of it. However, I did look into the history of it uh, just recently, and it actually blew my mind of the atrocities that went on and the fact that there has been no rep, reparations rep, reparations yeah I believe that's how you pronounce that but uh, so let's let's start with the um, some of the notes that I have here from like I said the P, it's a PBS program and you can look it up if you'd like and uh, it was by Henry Louis Gates Jr. And the name of, of the program that I that I looked into was the African Americans Many Rivers to Cross. You know, the thing about uh, the history of this is so touching because you know if you listen to just what people say, you know, people say, well, why don't you go back to where you're from, which they say we're from uh, Africa, which that's where we originated from. Yes. But the fact of how we got here, it wasn't first just on the slave ships. You know, we had a presence before the slave ships. But we're, we're going to talk about uh, two, maybe two or three individuals that had first came over before the slave ships and how their mark was on uh, the United States or the history thereof. So, okay. Before I go into details of the individuals, the thing about black history or the, the African-Americans of the United States the they always had this resounding 
uh, strength to hold the country to its ideals, even though the country had abandoned them at times. You know, there's many times that when the country seemed to abandon black America, black America still stood strong to remind them of what the actual uh, goals were for America. Okay, let's take for example, before we go into the early, early times of this, Rodney King, the beating in uh, 1991. By him being beat like that on TV, it again, it made the black community stand up to say this is wrong. We can't allow this to continue to go on. And as we know, to to this day, we still have black Americans that have been shot, beaten and, and murdered right on camera in our face. And we still stand up like Black Lives Matter. We still stand up and we still uh, try to hold the country or not try, but we do our best to hold the country accountable for what they say that they represent. Let's take uh, in uh, 2005, Hurricane Katrina in Louisiana. Again, you know, it was an atrocity. It was terrible. And even at that, we still stood up to show how this was uh, not right. Um, And we stood up to make a difference, to hold America accountable. Okay, so let's go back. Here's the title, The Black Atlantic in 1500s. Okay. From the beginning, they never gave up on the dream to be free. That dream would never disappear. Never, ever. Dreams that would help them to endure and overcome. And this is something that we deal with today. But we're starting in the 1500s in this episode. Okay, so back in Florida, where the first known African-American man came to America. He came here with a Spanish expedition in 1513. Now, his name doesn't sound black. I don't know exactly how he got his name, but his name was Juan Goretto, G-O-R-I-T-O. Like Dorito, but with a G, Gorito, Gorito. Okay. He was free and he left his mark on the new world. Juan Gorito helped Cortez take Mexico. Then he headed to California searching for gold. So Juan Gorito was uh, pivotal in, in at this time because his his strength now I I take it that he was uh, a strong man to be able to to be able to even be on this uh, expedition the Spanish expedition and also uh, lead with Cortez to take over Mexico so I don't have a lot of information about him but I do know that he was one of the first black African Americans to set foot on our soil Now, let's say about 20 years later, after that, 
around 1534, 1535. So, like I said, 20 years later, Esteban Lomora, a black man, one of four survivors of another Spanish expedition that went horribly, horribly wrong. Estefan served as a guide and a translator for his four companions, negotiating their way to safety through the forbidden landscape. By the year 1536, they have walked over 15,000 miles. They have seen more of the North America continent than any explorer would until Lewis and Clark. Now we know about Lewis and Clark. And I personally didn't know about Lewis and Clark until I really seen the movie, uh, the music, uh, what is that? Uh, the comedy about the museums. And I, and I learned about Lewis and Clark, but then again, I studied more about it. But the thing about it is that uh, Esteban led, led his, his companions from that wreck and they traveled over 15,000 miles. So they seen more of the land than anyone else until uh, Lewis and Clark came along way after. So, but these two guys, Guerrero and Esteban, were among the first Africans to arrive in the new country called America. They found hope here and they found opportunity here. Now, Let's go a little further because things changed drastically in 1619. Okay, the, the town was called Jamestown, Virginia. Now, Jamestown, Virginia was the first British colony in what became the United States. Okay, in 1619, this was the first frontier town. It was crude. It was disgusting, it was muddy, and it was a malaria swamp. So it wasn't nothing great. It was nothing great built there. It was it was a it, it was a British uh, startup point, if you will. Okay, but then one morning, in around August, a ship came carrying African slaves. Now, before I go into that. I just want to say, you know, slave trading didn't just start with uh, the white Europeans capturing slaves. And you go back into the African history where everybody was black. There was many different kings and many different parts of the country. And they were constantly in battle with each other. And when they would have battles and war, whether it was over uh, land or uh, maybe uh, special uh, gold and jewels and stuff that certain lands had, and one king wanted to have it over the other king, when they would have battles and when they would have wars, the people that were captured were taken as slaves. So sometimes you know we we think that we want to blame the white people for making us slaves we were making ourselves slaves before they started making us slaves so that was something that shook me as uh profound 
because I didn't know that. But if you if you also if you read if you listen to the episode, I, I call it the first chapter of my book, The Lost King. However, it really is a prologue, you know, and it, it talks about the story that I'm writing, the story that I'm working on. And it, it covers these types of things that we're talking about. So when the book comes out, The Lost King, I highly recommend you to read it and to um, to enjoy it because it is worth a reading and enjoying. Now, however, let's continue. So like I was saying, it was a morning in August, a ship came carrying African slaves. Now, actually, they took these slaves to a another British port a few miles before Jamestown. But Jamestown became the hub of this bringing African slaves over. But this is how slavery in America began. Plantations as we imagine them have not been in existence at this point. It was not just as simple as you would think that all of a sudden African slaves came over and plantations were there um, from the very beginning and from what we think that's not the way it was okay actually it was way deeper than that James Jamestown it it was just a fragile outpost in the wilderness so it wasn't some big built up thing that you know when we think about it today that it just wasn't that now, this is the reason why I'm doing this this episode because I think it's so important for not just that what I'm saying but that you take what I'm saying and then you go and look the history up yourself because there's so many details in this that I, I couldn't put this all on this episode I'm not going to try to talk to you for four or five hours about uh, what I found out what my, my research in history was about so I highly implore you to um, research and check out your history our history so we're going to talk about a man called Anthony Johnson this is a man whose life shows how slavery evolved in Virginia his name was known as Anthony DeNegro his name was defined by his blackness Despite his skin color, Johnson found opportunities in Jamestown. He would work side by side with his owner and he forged a bond based on necessity. It was all about manual labor. That's how he earned his wit through hard work. His, his owner needed him to build a farm so they could make money and the farm was a tobacco farm so this all started basically with tobacco and making money that's how this started and so uh, Johnson the Negro he helped his owner in a tremendous way and I'm sure he felt that he wasn't a slave he felt like he was like a, a vice president or uh, a partner in his business because what 
what his owner did, he didn't just say, I want you to start working here and do this and do that. The owner provided him with a startup, if you will. He gave him some land, not some land. I'm talking about maybe uh, just like 250 acres of land. And, and Johnson began, be, began to prosper. You know, he had white and black servants. He also had an African slave of his own. You know, as Johnson prospered, so did Virginia. And like I said, he owned 250 acres of a tobacco farm. So you can imagine how well he was doing and how happy he was. Now, it doesn't really go into details about what his family, how much family he had from that, from, from that uh, point. But we know he had family. So as Johnson prospered, so did Virginia. Within decades, Virginia had became a center of the booming tobacco economy that was desperate for labor. So here we are at this point. Now, this is decades after. And what happened was, as Johnson continued to prosper and prosper and prosper, Virginia began to prosper and prosper and prosper. And now you need more workers to do the labor. So you can see that now this is where the, the real slavery started to take place in America. And at this point, this transformed slavery from a loose informal arrangement into a rigid racial system. A system which a life like Anthony Johnson would be inconceivable. And the reason why I say it would be inconceivable is because there's no way that we can imagine that a black man owning slaves, having white servants, and black servants would be able to continue in the, in the future decades over and over again. So, so it changed. I mean, like I said, in Africa, they had slaves. Africans had slaves, you know, and the difference between the slaves that Africa had and that, that, that we had developed is totally different. You see, when when the the kings, the emperors would uh, have their wars and they would capture whoever was left over, and they would take them. They would they would uh, tie them up with their ropes and and then bring them on their little boats to the next towns, and they would make them slaves. They would have to work for them. They would have to do what they had to do. But the the history of it had not been so dramatic as far as the hate the beatings the the you know they they definitely took charge of them yeah but the difference of what happened in america compared to what happened in africa it's totally different 
So like I said, I'm not going to go into too much details about that, but what I will need you to do is to, to research this so you can see the difference and see what happened, how it was in Africa and how what happened when it got here. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to finish up on this. We're going to speak just a little bit more on what we're speaking about here. And then we're going to uh, go into the uh, story of what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma and my experience of being in Tulsa, Oklahoma and, and seeing it firsthand how uh, decimated that, that town was. So we're going to take a quick break and um, please come back so you can hear the rest of this special edition of Black History Month in 2022. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back and uh, listening to the rest of this special episode of Black History Month in 2022. Now, we was talking about Anthony Johnson, De Negro. Why do you think they named him De Negro? I'll tell you why. They wanted to make sure that it was known that he was black, that he was separate from the whites. His blackness, his Africanness defined him. It marked him as an outsider. After Anthony Johnson died, the court decided that he was considered a Negro. By consequence, he was an alien. Then the colony of Virginia seized his land now we're not talking about an acre remember we're talking about 250 acres and all the money that he had coming in so his family was pretty much wiped off the face of the earth they probably became slaves now I don't know that as a fact I'm just saying you know thinking about the fact I do know it as a fact that they seized his land and they they took all that he had but Johnson's story marked an era in the new British colonies. From this point, slavery would be solely based on race. You know, that's this is this is the reason why I wanted to do this because this is where it started. This this is how it became about race. They just started to separate the black and the whites. And the black, the stigma on the black person was terrible. And from that point, slavery has became what we known it to be today. And it wasn't just a slavery, but today, that's why we are going through so many different situations today. Why white people or many white people look at us differently in less than them because the stigma has been placed on us from all the way back in the 1600s. And the fact that the acquisition of slaves would be central to the acquisition of wealth. 
so okay we're gonna skip forward well before we even skip forward let me just just speak briefly on this of my thought and how I feel about it you know in Europe at this time they had they had slaves also but they didn't and and anyone could have been slaves at that point and it wasn't defined as black or white it was just defined as uh, those that do well the rich and those who weren't rich and if you wasn't rich and you wasn't doing well and you was going to be a slave and you was going to help them to build their empire to build their buildings build their bridges but when it came to the United States and the way Virginia was starting to prosper and they were seeing all this money coming in due to the tobacco industry at that time the odd thing about it to me is that why couldn't they just accept the fact that Anthony Johnson was a pivotal point in growth of the United States and then just grow from there but the greed set in to the point that where it was easy for them to make a clear distinction that the black people should be slaves because remember the ship that I told you that came into uh, Jamestown from that point the slave ships kept coming and coming and coming and coming so all of this free labor that came spread all the way across the United States and because of that time in history the distinction between black and white the stigma on the black was cemented of negativity and that's why today we are still going through the same type of hatred you know now I want to speak about something that's happening today before I speak about Tulsa you know I have a couple of episodes I did one on January 6th actually January 6 2020 or was that 2021 yeah the one with insurrection I, I did an episode on that I mean you you will hear my uh, disappointment in in America and the thing about that is today here we are 2022 in February and just recently I just seen on you know if you watch if you watch the news now I don't recommend you sit and watch the news every night because it will drive you crazy and it will drive you to a point with inside yourself where you will start feeling hate and then you want to lash out and then you might find yourself in a road rage situation with with someone and it, it can easily turn deadly and extremely bad but there are small groups small pockets of haters hatred that is is formed from from the early days from the 1600s that all the way through through with with the russians with the with uh hitler with the nazis yeah i i was in when i was in the military i was stationed in bamberg germany and when i was stationed in bamberg germany 
um, I've taken a couple of tours and I can't tell you the names of the 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 towns that I had seen but they they have concentration camps still to this day that you can visit and you can see the mounds of bodies well they're they're mounds now but they're they're mounded graves of hundreds of bodies of thousands of bodies piled up on each other and then now it's just uh they covered with dirt and now it's pretty as it's grass but they're they're grave they're graveyards mass mass graves they have uh where you can go inside and you can see the small little ovens that where they burnt where they they murdered and, and burnt the bodies you can see where they have collections of glasses, the eyeglasses. You can see collections of gold teeth. You can see collections of different things that the people had before they were killed. So I know there's people that don't believe this. I've seen it as a young man and it didn't look like it was made up to me. But from that, you have people that here now that claim to be Nazis that will uh, in Florida, at this matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, you could see pockets of them on bridges with their swastikas, doing high Hitlers and, and saying uh, no Jews, no black, no gays, no this, no that. It's only them. They think it's, the world's going to, again, be just them and nobody else. It's foolish to think that way. If you think that way and you're listening to me, it is. It's foolish to think that way. It's wrong. It's hurtful. If, if you believe in God, that is not what God intended. Now, yeah, slavery existed even before the 1600s, way before uh, Africa as we known it. I mean, back in the days, if you read the Bible, you're going to see um, that there were slaves throughout. It doesn't mean that that we should have slavery now. So, you know, I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, I heard uh, a speech from the former president and he was saying how, I know this sounds shameful, but he was saying that how certain hospitals were only saving black people and killing white people. He literally said this out of his mouth. President, uh, former President Trump said this, that that certain hospitals were saving black people and killing white people. Ludicrous as it may sound, this is what he said. And then the next day, you had those small pockets in front of that hospital with their swastikas, high Hitlers, and, 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 and saying exactly what he said. It's a shame. It's not true. There's no hospitals that's saving just the blacks and, and killing whites. That's that's ludicrous. But but this is the nonsense that people believe. And if, if someone's going to believe something like that, they're going to take it to the streets. So be careful out there because there are people that literally hate anyone of color. Or it doesn't even have to be color. You could be Jewish. They, they was a Jewish man that seen them doing high Hitler. And they seen that the Jewish man on the back of his uh, vehicle, he had a sticker that was um, representing the lost Holocaust victims. They came to his car, pulled, pulled him out of his car, beat him up, spit in his face. 
it's caught on tape. It's just ridiculous. You know. So I just wanted to, you know, speak about that because it was something that was uh bothering me and and uh it's amazing that that type of hatred still exists today. But at the same time, it's not really amazing to me because I know that this is the way the devil works. The devil will stir up anything that he can to cause division in homes, schools, churches, anywhere. Anywhere he can cause division, he will do his best to do that. So we don't have a whole lot of time left because I didn't want to take too much time. But I do want to talk about Tulsa. I don't know how many of you heard about Tulsa and knew that uh, 1921 was a racial <sighs> atrocity. You know, now at this time in 1920s, early 20s, uh, teens, black people had constantly had to fight for the right to be free constantly had to fight for the right to be able to develop their own and have their own and in Tulsa after after the war after World War One where many black soldiers have moved to to this part of Tulsa it's called uh, Greenwood and they built they had everything. They call it the, the, the Black Wall Street at that time. And the reason why they called that, called it the Black Wall Street was because they built everything of their own. They had their own churches. They had their own uh, businesses. They had their own everything. As a matter of fact, there was a church that had just been donated or yeah, it was donated to Greenwood. It was a big, beautiful church, AME Church. And they had just dedicated the church. It was just being f just about finished. And in 1921, in town, on the other side of town, there was a young black man in the elevator and a young white woman in the elevator at the same time. Now, the History Channel covers this so amazingly so i highly recommend if you haven't seen the history channel of the it's called the the tulsa massacre 1921 if you haven't seen it i highly recommend that you try to see it now the thing about it is i've seen it once and i've been looking for it and they have not put it on again they play in all kind of aliens from out of space and you know about the cars and history this history that building this building that but they only did this show once so far this month that I've seen. Now, here we are in where still in the beginning of February. So it's the, the ninth and I still have not seen it again. But if you can see it or if you can find it, if you can get the recording, the History Channel has the best recording of pictures, video and accountants of what happened so i'm going to try to 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 break it down from my understanding from what i've seen in this elevator where this young black man and young white woman was in together no one else it's possible that 
the elevator shifted or like dropped a little bit, but they ended up coming together. Whether or not he bumped into her or she bumped into him or they bumped into each other at the same time, they touched, they bumped. And the, the white girl screams and screams and when the doors open, she says he uh, raped me or he assaulted me. So of course they took him, they locked him up. And what happened from that point was when it was found out that this incident had happened, white men with guns started to appear outside the jailhouse. Now it wasn't, it was a big place. So it wasn't like a small place. Like when you think in the Westerns and it was like a, you go walk in the door and the cell is right there. No, he was all the cell he was held in was all the way upstairs, like on the fifth floor. And, and what had happened was that these, the white men that gathered outside, they gathered because they wanted to get that black boy, take him out and lynch him. There wasn't, there was no secret. They, they were saying, we, we want to lynch this boy. So the crowd started to form. First, it was like maybe 25, they say. Then maybe it was like 50, then close to 100. And then when the word started to spread, the black community found out what was going on. And the the soldiers, the, uh, the ex-soldiers, the black soldiers that were in World War I got their guns, put their uniforms on, and they marched down to the courthouse. And they went inside, one, one of the representatives went inside and asked, is there anything that we can do to help keep this where it, it will be fair if he's going to have a, if there's going to be a trial or whatever. And they promised, uh, don't worry about it. We, we, we got this. It's going to be fine. It's, everything's going to be uh, done correctly. Meanwhile, more white armed men and women came outside. So now from 50 went to 100 to 200, 300. But the military men, the, the black men realized that they was going to be making it worse by being there. And they and the courts asked them if they would please leave. So they left peacefully. However, more black people, armed black men and women that didn't have uniforms came to also to make sure that that they didn't give this young boy out so he can be uh, lynched. They was there to make sure that justice was going to be served. What happened? One white man comes up to one black man and says, hey, boy, what are you doing with that gun? What do you think you're going to do with that gun? He said, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure everything is right. So they start struggling. The white man tries to struggle to take away the gun, which you never should do that. And a shot rings out. Then another shot. Then another shot. Then another shot. And another shot. And mayhem broke out. And they're fighting in the streets. Now, the thing about this is they have pictures of this. This is not something that's just being made up. They have the pictures of the uh, of when it was just a few people. They have pictures when it was more people. They had the pictures of the, the, the black military men that came. They have pictures where the black military men had left. They, there's pictures of this. So the, the history is documented. This is not something I'm just making up. So now the PBS uh, program I watched and, and, and studied just the other day. It's, it's, it's the accounts are the same, but at the same time, there's something that was so significantly different 
and, and the way the History Channel broke it down, I choose to, to believe the History Channel because I know they, they don't care about the black and white. They, they're going to give you the history of what it is. Now, what happened was this massacre fighting by the people, black, white, were killed. And then it was like it was so much that went on that it ended and the, the blacks went back to, to Greenwood and the whites went back to theirs. Now there was pictures of people in hospitals. Um, uh, well, of course, the pictures that I seen were pictures of black people in hospitals that were shot up and that were, they were trying to mend their, their wounded. But that night, it was peaceful. There was no more shooting, no more fighting. Early the, the next morning, dawn, there was a loud, very strange sirens that would go off and then once that went off that's when all the whites came out and started shooting up the homes burning the homes anyone that was coming out that was getting shot and then they also had uh the police department deputized the white mob that was attacking them the police department deputized them to go and to destroy Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, it wasn't just as simple as them destroying it because they did not, they decimated it. Now, there also was the National Guard that was involved and the National Guard and there was planes that, the planes that would fly over, they were dropping kerosene bombs on houses. Now, what really hurt me is I seen the picture of the church before and I seen it during it was while it was being burned and shot up and I seen it afterward it was horrifying but when you it was it was the whole day of that from that morning it was they destroyed homes and everything I mean it was terrible I really recommend you anyone to take a look at this history channel on the Tulsa massacre 1921 it will bring tears to your eyes and sadden your heart because the saddest thing about this is that there's no rep reparations reparations for it no one has been held accountable but today they do have uh, lawyers and the governors and uh, everybody is trying to to seek for the pay that is deserved for the ancestors and the survivors because there are survivors still to this day and um, you know what it's a, it's a sad time but I think it's time to bring this to a close and on this point not just to bring it to a close but to realize that hate needs to be destroyed so if you are a child of God what do we do we pray we do good to others we pray for our enemies and here's the scripture for today it's Luke chapter 6 verse 27 through 28 but I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, 
Pray for those who mistreat you. Again, that's Luke 6, 27 through 28. If you haven't given your life to Christ, you wouldn't be able to do this. If you have not depended on Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you wouldn't be able to do this. So I implore you, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, do so. It's as simple as praying to him, asking for forgiveness, asking him to come into your heart, to forgive you and to lead you and to guide you to be the man or the woman that he is calling you to be, which he's calling us to be his children because that's who we are. I've done this and it's changed my life. So I implore you to do the same. I hope and pray that this special that I had put on will be a blessing to you and your family and to those who are in need. God bless you all and thank you so much for listening to the Lost Kings podcast with Brother Dave Jardine. Thank you. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful month and I'll be coming to you soon. I have another special. We're going to be speaking a little bit more on the uh, I have a dream that that God had given me and we're going to be speaking on speaking out. So listen out for it. God bless you once again. Thanks again for listening and thank you for supporting us. Without you, we wouldn't be able to help others. So thank you so much. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Oh, and I have a new email address. So you can email me any comments or questions and then I'll, I will uh, get back to you as soon as possible. And the email is the LKP at gmail.com. That's like the Lost Kings podcast at gmail.com, but it's not spelled out. It's the T H E L K P at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.